0: So welcome everybody. We are uh, finishing up. Yeah, really. Okay. Um, we're finishing up our uh, series called Relational ROI, and uh, we'll sort of do a we'll do a quick overview, and um, we will wrap this up. And Ron and Jean will be coming up next week with a new series. Okay. So let's open in prayer. So Father, we just thank you for this day. And, uh, Lord, we thank you for your grace and we thank you for your mercy. Uh, Father, because, um, none of us are perfect. Uh, all of us have our flaws. All of us have our issues. But we thank you, God, because your word says, while we were yet sinners, Christ Mm -hmm. died for us. Lord, you looked at, um, you looked at our hearts and looked at the, possibilities of what we could be and so lord when we um, didn't care about you when we didn't even uh, want to know you you came and you gave your life the ultimate relational investment you gave your life on the cross for us so father we are eternally grateful we just ask that as we continue to learn how to be disciples of christ that father you continue to show us Lord, you continue to teach us, your Holy Spirit continue to lead us so we can be the men and women that you've called us to be, not just for ourselves, but for a world that's hurting, that's confused, that's polarized, uh, Lord, looking for what true relationship looks like, looking for what redemption looks like, looking for what grace looks like, looking for what peace looks like, looking for what reconciliation looks like. So we thank you, Lord, and um, we are equal to the task, not because of what anything that we have, but because of what you have invested in us. So we thank you and we lift you up. We ask you to be with us now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So relational ROI. So in this uh final scripture,
1: can
0: you pull out your Bible? Uh-huh. Yeah, give me uh, Matthew twenty-five, fourteen to thirty. So we've been the last uh, three weeks, four weeks, because uh, we were off last week. So hopefully they told you you guys need show up to class and walk into an empty classroom. But um, so we've been t- we've been using the scripture of the par- the parable of the talents out of Matthew twenty-five verses fourteen to thirty. And we've been talking about relational investment. Okay. So just a little refresher, we started off by talking about looking at this uh, parable from the standpoint of Jesus investing in us and then requiring an investment from us. But as we looked at that parable, we also realized that his servants made an investment, as we talked about two weeks ago. And today we're actually talking about what our return on investment is. So in looking at it um, from those terms, we see that um, this this is really, this work goes hand in hand, right? Jesus invests in us. He's looking for a return. We invest in Jesus. We invest in others. We receive a return also. So um, just going over that parable, when we looked at the parable, and you can look at it in Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30. A matter of fact, I'll have Leona read it um, again.
1: Okay. I'm reading it from the God's Word um, version or translation. The kingdom of heaven is like a man going on a trip. He called his servants and entrusted some money to them. He gave one man $10,000, another $4,000, and another $2,000. Each was given money based on his ability. Then the man went on his trip. The one who received $10,000 invested the money at once and doubled his money. The one who had $4,000 did the same and also doubled his money. But the one who received $2,000 went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The one who received $10,000 brought the additional 10000 He said, Sir, you gave me $10,000. I've doubled the amount. His master replied, Good job. You're a good and faithful servant. You proved that you could be trusted with a small amount. I will put you in charge of a large amount. Come and share your master's happiness." The one who received $4,000 came and said, Sir, you gave me $4,000. I've doubled the amount. His master replied, Good job. You're a good and faithful servant. You proved that you could be trusted with a small amount. I will put you in charge of a large amount. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the one who received $2,000 came and said, Sir, I knew that you had a hard, that you are a hard person to please. You harvest where you haven't planted and gather where you haven't scattered any seeds. I was afraid, so I hid your $2,000 in the ground. Here's your money. His master responded, you evil and lazy servant. If you knew that I harvest where I haven't planted and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have invested my money with the bankers. When I returned, I would have received my money back with interest. Take the two thousand dollars away from him. Give it to the one who has the ten thousand. To all who have, more will be given and they will have more than enough. But everything will be taken away from those who don't have much. Throw this useless servant outside into the darkness. People will cry and be in extreme pain there.
0: Now when we use this uh, parable Like a lot of sayings that Jesus has, they are hard to hear, but kind of, it's kind of like a gut punch, right? But as we've been saying through this series and we've been talking about how important it is for you to know Christ for yourself, how important it is for you to know the scriptures for yourself. Because if you don't know the character and nature of Christ, if you don't know the character and nature of God, people read scriptures like that and they leave the church. They leave for faith. Right? They call Jesus narrow-minded and bigoted. Right? And they say, how can I follow a God like that that's so hard-hearted? Okay? And again, that's on us. Okay? It's not on pastor. It's not on your church. It's not on the guy that's on TV. It's on you, right? You have a Bible. God has given you a Bible. He's given you the ability to understand. And if not, there's a thousand concordances out there that'll help you understand, right? So one of the things that before we kind of go on that I notice in the that's been happening in the church is we like to teach a lot of stuff. But we don't like to teach the stuff that's in red letters, okay? Because when we teach the stuff that's in red letters, it challenges us. It challenges us to our core to really grasp and try to understand what it is this God is saying. Because don't forget, the same Jesus that is saying this is the same Jesus that came down and got on the cross and died for you when you wanted nothing to do with him, when you hated him, when you spit on him, when you didn't want anything to do with him, that same God, that same Jesus went to the cross. Right? So, Jesus is saying what he's saying for a reason. So, I just put that there because we're in a day, we're in a time, okay? We're in a time where a lot of people, and the word says, there'll be, a, there'll be a time in the last days when people will gather around them, a great cloud of witnesses to tell them what their itching ears want to hear. right? So if I don't want to deal with hard sayings of Jesus, if I don't want to look at myself and look at my core and really realize what's going on, I'll just find a church that's going to tell me everything I want to hear. I'll just go and get myself a great cloud of witnesses that tells me, Hey, you know what? Everything's all good, right? Live however you want. Do it however you want. It's okay. There's no problem with that, right? It feels good. Do it, right? You know, you got that get out of hell free card, right? That's how we use Jesus nowadays, right? We use that get out of hell grace card. Well, yeah, you know, I know it's a sin and uh, this and that, but you know what? I got that grace. Right, I got that grace. Know your word. Know your word. Know the Christ who you're serving. Know the God who you're serving. Okay. So anyway, that was a sidebar. So in this parable, the money that Jesus gave these servants was equal to time, talent, and treasure. And for the um, for this class, we talked about it from a relational standpoint. So two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, we talked about the relational investments that Christ puts in us, right, gives us. Because we also talked about, we can't give something to somebody else that we haven't received ourselves, right? So it's hard to go out and show appreciation to somebody if we don't know what appreciation looks like, right? It's hard to give affection to somebody If we don't know what affection is it's hard to give attention to somebody if we don't know what attention is right and so those things we need those things you've been created as needy people that need those things okay intentionally so that relationship is formed god is a relational god it's all about relationship from genesis to revelation it's all about relationship relationship with him Relationship with others, brothers and sisters in the church, and those outside the church. Okay, because the church is not a social club. Sorry, that's what you thought. The church is a place where we come together as brothers and sisters, where we can heal, where we can grow whole, where we can mature, so we can go out. Right. I have a friend at. Uh, I have a friend that I work with, and <clears throat> good brother in Christ and um, love him to death but the church he goes to um, he's like we don't really associate with people outside of the church that's not what we do <laughs> we, we, we get together and we edify each other and we, we grow together but well, that's not how we're built we're not built to go out to the church right? go out to the world, go out to the world. You know, he's a brother and I love him. I would just, you know, say, look at the word. Jesus says, go out and make disciples, right? So in that, wherever you're placed, wherever God has you, right? You're there for a purpose. And your purpose is that any opportunity that you get, right? Right? by the modeling of what Jesus has done in your life, you are there to give the opportunity to help someone else become a disciple. Right? It's that simple. But the question is, will we want to do it? Are we more consumed with, you know, I got my thing, you know, I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, you know, and I'm all good. Right? Okay, well, that's fine. But your neighbor across the street is suffering. Your a coworker in the cubicle next to you could really use some words of encouragement, right? So we are, we understand. So in this in this parable, when Jesus is asking them to go out and take that money and invest relationally, he's saying the same thing to you. He's saying I'm I'm pouring into you. I want you to go out and I want you to pour into somebody else. Because whatever return comes on that, I'm getting a return on my investment. Okay. Likewise, those servants, when they got what they got, okay, they had to apply themselves to get that return. Because when you looked at the last servant, the last servant, he got what he got. He was like, oh, you know, I'm really scared, Master. I'm going to, you know, I don't want to lose the money. So I'm going to sit here with the money until you come back. And when you come back, I'll give you the money. Right? Totally missed what he was supposed to do. Okay? No return. He didn't put any investment in. Right? So Jesus gives him an investment. Says, I want you to take that investment. I want you to invest it because I want a return. He didn't understand that. To add to that, he invests something because the other two servants invested something, <laughs> right? They just didn't sit there with the money and go, hey, this? 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 right? They actually had to get up and go out and do something with the money. That says a lot to us, also.
1: May I add to that?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The other thing about that last, uh, that third servant and about us when we read the scripture. I, I remember when I first read this scripture and the second time I read the scripture, the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, however many times I read the scripture and I kept going, Jesus, why are you giving this guy a hard time? He says he was scared. It just doesn't seem like you to give somebody a hard time because they said they were afraid of you. I don't get it. But I kept asking the question. And I knew that there was something there that I was missing. I I didn't get it. How often do we come across things in the word, like Joe said, the red letters or something that Paul says that, you know, that blows our minds and we're like, I'm not, I don't understand. That just, I, that just doesn't seem to fit with who I know God to be. God is so loving. He's so kind. He's so generous. He's so full of grace. He's forgiven my sin even before I came to know him. How often do we sit and we ask and, and stay with that attitude of asking, help me to understand what the issue is? because I mean, based on just the words, and, and God's word is, is, is written, it's translated at maybe a sixth grade level of English, So it's almost about as simple as it can get, and I'm still not getting it, Lord. Mm -hmm. What investment are we willing to put into those things that are heavy, that are different from kind of the way we see the word? Right? What investment are we willing to make? This man didn't even go like, "Um, Joe, make like you're giving me money to, to invest. And turn around. Oh, wait, wait, boss. I'm sorry. I don't get it. What is it you want me to do? I don't get it. Could you explain to me what you mean by giving me money to invest? Because I don't understand. He didn't even ask. He just made an assumption. And the issue was what was in his own heart that hadn't, he he didn't even ask enough questions to question, well, if he's given it to me to invest it kind of implies that he trusts me to do something with it what's going on with me that I don't want to do something with what he's given because he's given it to me he's given it to you he's given it to you right I saw him do all this he's given it to the three of us and they're off doing whatever with it and here what's going on with me do we allow the word that we don't understand to turn around and question us, so that we can be and do what it is He's called us to, or do we just write it off?
0: I think a good point in that is that that asking? third but, excuse. When you don't. That, um, that third servant. Um, Not only did he not ask any questions, Jesus makes a good point where he says, well, if you were afraid, if you were really afraid of me, how come you didn't put the money on deposit? So at least I got something, but he didn't even do that. And it's interesting because Jesus exposes him and says, you know, it really wasn't about fear. It was more that you didn't really have a desire to do what I asked you to do. You didn't really have a desire to extend yourself. You didn't really have a desire for that. You just kind of put the money to the side and go, "Okay, yeah, well, when you come back, here's your money." You know, you do anything, right? So, what will we expect? What will we expect Jesus' response to be? Uh, What you were saying about
2: turning around, asking, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think as Christians, sometimes, but this happened to me last week with a coworker who's going through a very big crisis right now. And I was talking to her about trusting God, and I was so glad that because sometimes we say, well, just pray and trust God. Mm-hmm. And she says, well, you know what, does that look like? Right. And what does that entail to trust God? But a lot of times we just assume people know. Right. Even I them to pray, well, how do I pray? Right. You know, and how do I establish a relationship with God Then to go through those you know, steps with them? But we just assume. Like that, you know, mm-hmm. hey, take this money. I don't know. And some people will, they won't ask that question. right They'll just say, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go home and pray. Mm-hmm. And they feel intimidated, like, I don't want to ask the question. I feel embarrassed, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But maybe we ought to be up more into it and say, you know, mm-hmm. you know what faith right. is like, you know what, you know what trust is yeah. like. Exactly. Right.
0: exactly. So us acting more like disciples, really, you know. Really taking the time to, and again, it's relational, right? It's 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 relational. It's all relational, right? And when we get that core part of it that it's relational, right, we begin to see the fruit because that's where the fruit is. Uh, let's go to another scripture.
1: Sorry, to play the <laughs> okay. You want me to read it
0: for you? Uh, no, I'll read it. Can you keep playing with the baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> So this is uh, Matthew 25, verses uh, 31 to 40. And so it says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory with all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne, on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and uh, He will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the king, right, underline king, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed of my father, take the inheritance prepared, uh, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothing and you clothed me. I was sick and you look after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me, then the righteous will say to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or clothes, uh, needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you also did for me right, relational investment, because if you're going to clothe somebody, right, there's some relational interaction there. If you're going to feed somebody, there's relational interaction there. If you're going to take care of somebody who is sick, there's relational, right, investment there. And so what Jesus is saying to them, right, And we had talked about this before, that they had an understanding that's who they were created to be. See, one of our biggest issues is we come into the church, right, and we pretend to, as much as we know, be Christians. But we don't really know what that means, right? We really don't know what that means. Jesus right there is telling you what that means. He's telling you that that's what you were created for. You were created to be that person. You were created to do those things, right? So we talk about today relational investment. That is your relational investment, okay? It's your relational investment. Jesus did everything that he could and continues to because, again, we're people that we all got issues. We all got broken places, right? So in this in this thing called justification, right, as we are learning to be more like Christ, as Christ exposes more areas in us that need healing, shameless plug for Clint right? Eastridge, not shameless, <laughs> um, right, as that happens, as we grow and then we mature, we begin to understand, oh, okay, this is what I was made for, this is my purpose, this is what I'm supposed to do, right? This becomes the priority of our lives. Not making money, not buying a bigger house, not buying a car. Now, I'm not saying those things are not essential, or I'm not saying that you don't need those things. But it's why Jesus says, don't invest your life in things where moth and rust corrupt. Right? Where that happens is we get caught up in the things of the world. We get caught up in, you know, a long time ago, I used to say, well, wow, I love the 49ers, and I love my car, and I love this, and I love that. And Jesus, one day I was reading, he said, you know what? Don't say that anymore. Right? Because love is reserved for people. Like is reserved for things. And I really, really like the 49ers, although they're losing right now. Right? I like my car, I like my house, right? But I don't, I, I, there are things, right? I don't invest in that. I don't, I don't spend my life, you know, on the internet going, oh, I'd be really good to have like the latest BMW and it'd be really great to, you know, cause I, I used to know guys like that. They would have a car and he would tell you how much he loved that car and all he would spend, he would spend all his time and all his money on that car. Well, you know what? He really did love his car because here's the thing. The thing that you love is what you invest in. The thing that you love is what you invest. Right? So when he said he loved his car, he sure did. Because he spent all his time polishing the car and, you know, looking for new wheels and this and that. And I'm just I'm just in love with this car. It's like, yes, it's obvious. Right? But remember, the things that you love is what you invest in. Right? So when... Jesus says in Matthew twenty-two, thirty-six, verses thirty-six or forty, and he says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. What's he saying? We're talking about a relational investment. So God is really saying, if you really love me, you're going to invest in me. If you love your neighbor, you're going to invest in your neighbor. Right? That's where your treasure is being built. When Jesus says. Build your treasure in places where rust and moth will not. That's exactly what he's saying. And he's talking about it from a relational standpoint. Okay. So we got to be really clear about that. We have to be really focused on that. We really got to understand who we've been created to be. And so when we go on this journey of becoming more and more like Christ, what happens is we put up this standard that Christ has. And then we look at ourselves and where we are, right? And that whole journey is looking at that, well, you know what? This doesn't fit with my identity, so this has got to go. And this doesn't fit with my identity, so that's got to go. And this doesn't fit with my identity, and that's got to go. Right. So we're, we're being made more and more in the image of Christ. And like these in Matthew right they got to the point where they were like jesus we're just doing what we do we're just doing who we are we're just doing what we naturally have been coming to do so we didn't know when we were helping the stranger and we were visiting the sick and when we were clothing the naked right we didn't really know that okay yeah you know we're getting a return on investment and you know I'm putting more crown you know jewels my crown all this other kind of stuff we didn't know that we were just being who we were created to
1: be can I add to that? Mm -hmm. so this being who we were created to be and not and resisting those things that are really not our identity I think in many ways we make more complicated than we need to make and it's not about us um, acting like, because as Joseph brought out, we we tend to think that we're coming to faith and then we act like Christians. <laughs> it's more about recognizing where we are, where we're wounded, where we're broken, or being willing to go on that journey to recognize where we are, where we're broken, and being willing to get healed getting healing can be hard work it really can be because when the scab is forming over a wound the skin is pulling together and what tends to happen when that's happening it itches like crazy right and you're like but then there's also still pain there so you're like trying not to scratch the wound is is healing coming together but then when you do you're like oh that still hurts it's still tender that's the body itself doing the work of healing say exactly same things go going with broken bones so we have to recognize that getting healing is work it takes a lot of emotional energy to get the healing in our souls that we need in order for us to be able to walk out who we are created to be. So there's a particular kind of design here in this person. There's a different type of design here in this person. But the person we were most the person we are most supposed to be is gonna be this expression but of Jesus. So those people didn't necessarily know a whole bunch, but they knew that, well, okay, I'm an artist. And what God has given me to do now that I'm a little bit more healed is to recognize that he gave me the gifts of being an artist. I'm not an artist. I just use that as an example. (laughs) And in being the artist, I am supposed to, make beautiful brush strokes, right? And paint portraits of the people in whose lives I am connected. So instead of not sharing my gift, what I do is I share my gift freely and I begin to pour into Sue. And I, you know, I might do a portrait for Sue, like free of charge. Maybe that's what I do for my work, right? But for my people that I'm ministering to or people that I'm close with, I give them things that are from me what it's most likely to do uniquely because that is my form of expression but when it comes time to freely you've been given freely you receive freely give when it comes time to minister to the orphan or to the lost or to the person who's wounded am I being like Christ that's my identity what is it most like? For me to do? Well, I may not know what that looks like in Leona. I may not have yet discovered the fullness of my artistic gift, but one of the things I have discovered is I have this and I know what it's most like Christ to do is to walk over and minister to that person. That's my identity. And whatever is in me that's fighting that, and right now, believe you me, as Leona stands here, there are some things that I'm fighting with. I'm fighting with the Lord over, what does it look like to minister to all the people I see on the side of the road that are homeless right now? What is that What is that supposed to look like through this The expression that's here in Leona? I don't know. I don't know yet. So I'm going to keep asking that question and hopefully receive the answer he gives me, because he might give me something completely radical, right, that I get to do. But who we are most supposed to be like is really our identity. So it's not that, well, it's not my thing. Is it Christ's thing? Is it Christ's thing? That's my identity.
0: Um somebody I wanna talk about before um we go to um wrapping this up is um most of you guys know that uh John McCain died um a few weeks ago. And at John McCain's funeral and I've always liked John McCain, um you know. I used to be Republican and Democrat and Independent. Now I'm Christian,
1: because
0: <laughs> Christian has no label. Sorry, um, has one label, and it's the best label. But um, yes, exactly. But he did something that I really appreciated because the thing that I appreciated about John McCain the most was he was one of the last great politicians that could voice his opinion, he could be very strong in his convictions, but he always put the good of the country above that. And when he passed, Democrat and Republican said, you know what? We would fight with John McCain tooth and nail on something. But there was one thing about John McCain that we, there was no doubt about and that he loved his country. And he did a very, very strategic, interesting thing that he left a legacy not only for those that are not Christian, but actually those that are Christian. And I don't know if John McCain was a Christian. He might've been, but he left a very powerful statement. And what he did was he had George Bush and Barack Obama give the eulogy at his film. And what he was trying to say to America is that look, okay, we're a nation of a whole bunch of people with a whole bunch of different ideas. But never forget that you are one nation. We have to learn to, yeah, we can we can vigorously debate and we can you know, I don't agree with that or this or that, but at the end of the day right we are one nation and he made and that statement was so powerful that John McCain made that it was unmistakable by everybody that saw it right, because with Bush he had a lot of things that they were butting heads about, you better know that he and Obama, uh, Obama bang heads on a lot of stuff. But the one thing that he said was, I never doubted that he didn't love America. I never doubted that he didn't love America. And the reason that I'm saying that is, as Christians, we have a polarized country today. Today it's if you don't agree with me, the hell with you. And I'm using that word specifically the hell with you? Okay. Jesus made one statement that if this country is not careful, will come to pass. Jesus said, a house divided will not stand. A house divided will not stand. So as much as you don't like the person on the other side, just remember, okay? that if both of us don't learn how to get to get along right guess what we all fail nobody wins and as Christians and as what we have been given to do we need to be the side on Christian God's side what does God's word say how are we supposed to treat because the way we're supposed to treat each other I don't care if you're gay straight black white Republican, Democrat, independent. My Bible doesn't doesn't differentiate against any of that. Right. When Jesus says love your neighbor as yourself, did he tell you to quantify who that is? Did he? Did he tell you to quantify who that is? Because so-and-so doesn't agree with me, so-and-so doesn't have my ideological views. Did he say that? So if you, if you don't agree with that, and if your life doesn't line up with that, I would ask you to check your faith. Just like Paul says, check yourself. See if you're in the faith. Because if you're holding those views, maybe you might be deceiving yourself. Because you really, you think you're in the faith, but you really aren't. Okay, we, we can't, we can't play these games anymore. The time for that is over. We're either going to be all in, or we're going to be out. We gotta be all in, and that means learning. Let Christ do the work in us, and go out there and 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 do what Christ has called us to do. Be the people that we that we've called us to be. Yes,
2: After, I was watching one news station, and a Republican governor that asked John McCain a question: Was he right with the Lord? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Said, yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Well,
1: thank you. Okay.
0: Well, that makes sense. Because what he did, to me, was the most powerful thing that I've seen uh, a politician do ever. Ever. Because his love, his love for his country, right? He realized, John McCain realized it's something that most of us don't. Right. It's not a, it's not about it's about the other. Really, what he was saying was, I, ha, I need to realize that regardless of where I'm at, I have a responsibility for the whole nation. I think he would have made an awesome president. He would have made an awesome president because he saw the country as, you know what, I have to be a country of the people. And that's every single one of them. Every color, every nationality,
1: everybody that's in this country. He has to be the president. So anyway. I think the same thing boils points. down uh, when you look at the family. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, what does James say? Why do we have quarrels? What does he say? It's because of our own selfishness. So, think about it in the household. If I'm so adamant that my position and how I see the way the family should structure or should operate is based on how I'm wired, there's never going to be peace in the household. Because I totally neglect the fact that God has done a multifaceted, that's what it says in Ephesians. 3, 9, and 10. A multifaceted expression of himself. There is him, and then there is me. And he wants one thing to come from this. Not just children. He wants a oneness. Mm-hmm. So if he camps on his position, and I camp on my position, what are we going to have? What investment? What's the return that Jesus gets? Because I'm still busy being, it's all about me. And he's busy being, it's all about him. And neither one of us is thinking about, oh, well, wait a second. What is it most like Christ to do? Because the moment I ask that identity question, I begin to look at what Jesus is looking for from the investment. And And I begin to be willing to lay down, well, you know, I really, you know, I, I, he thinks we should use cash for everything. I think we should use credit cards so that we can do a better accounting. But he's, he wants to use cash and he wants to be able to write down before he spends what, okay, so whatever, if we're, if our goal is to be on budget, okay, how do we work this thing out so that we are doing ultimately the end of the goal, which is to be on budget. Is that not what matters? God is looking for us in the return of investment to be willing to walk out his identity and to sow the way he wants us to sow into relationship. He's not looking for us to camp on our individuality to the sacrifice and the negative influence on another.
0: Because doesn't God ask us to be unified in Christ? That's where we know where our maturity is, right? When we can still disagree and still be unified in Christ, right? then we know that we've reached, we've attained a level of maturity that Christ wants us to attain. So let's finish this up. Um, let's look at five returns. Um, so the returns on our investment um, are evident from the standpoint of eternal life and, and uh, getting to spend eternity with Christ. But there are investments that we receive here and now. And, uh, I picked five, uh, there are more than five, but I just picked five for, um, just for the sake of, of time. So the first investment, the return that we get is peace. Okay. This return has the ability to carry us through any situation or circumstance. It keeps our eyes focused on Him and His promises, knowing that He will never leave us nor forsake us. Okay. That's the first return, is peace. Scriptures for that is John fourteen twenty seven, John sixteen thirty three, and Romans eight six. So you guys can study that out on your on your own time. The second return, and Leona and I were just talking about that this morning, is joy. This return keeps the love of Christ and the presence of Christ a reality in our lives. (laughs) Knowing that we are loved by him, not for what we have done, but who we are releases us to live joy filled lives. Okay. And this is one that's really important. All of them are important, but this one also is important, right? That joy of knowing that we are in Christ, the love of Christ, and the presence of Christ that we stand before—we've talked about it before. Um, we stand continually in the presence of Christ, and what's so important about that is we're people that like to, unfortunately, compartmentalize, right? So we come to church, and you know, we're saying hallelujah, and we're in church, and you know, so we don't use those curse words we use with the guys when we're at work during the week. Right? And we don't watch that stuff that we know we're not supposed to watch. Right? Because we're in church, right? We're trying to be holy for that one hour or hour and a half. Right? Because somehow or another, I don't know in our minds somewhere, maybe we don't think that Christ is watching what we see on the internet at 11 o'clock at night. Or somehow or another, we don't think that Christ Sees when we are having that phone call we're not supposed to be having. Or we're we changing the numbers on our tax return so we can get a better return. Right? Somehow we don't think that Christ sees that. Right? We live 24-7 in the presence of God. So you may be fooling yourself and thinking, oh, you know what? Well, God's not going to see that.
1: Newsflash. His name is Emmanuel,
0: God with us. And that's, he doesn't take vacations, right? Jesus doesn't go, hey, I'm checking out for two weeks. Be good. I'll be back, right? And then you're like, oh, yeah, okay. You know, Christ has gone on vacation, so now we can, you know, we can do all that stuff because he's not here. Sorry. You gave that up (laughs) when you let Christ into your heart. You gave
2: that up. So you know, What happened to me is um, I used to have my morning routine. When you talking about where you spend your time at, and so my morning routine is I get up and spend time in the Word. And then as I'm getting praying, as I'm getting dressed, I love to watch Charles Stanley, just listening to him as I'm getting dressed. So for a while, I got obsessed with the politics and I'm watching uh, my favorite news network. Yes. Yeah. So slowly but surely, I was getting in the Word. But I wasn't listening to Charles III anymore. I was listening to the news all the time. So I was having a prayer with God, and he was checking me about that. And I'm like, I gotta do better, Lord. I'm gonna go back, I'm gonna go back. So when I came home that day, out of habit, I wanted to go turn the channel on. And the channel was blocked. I'm like, what happened? You know, and my daughter played a joke on me and blocked the channel, put the parental controls on it because she said she thought I was spending too much time on
0: it. Oh, <laughs> uh, She's That's a new so way of parental so controls controlling control the, the parent. That's a good one.
2: And then, the I finished my work that evening, I couldn't even call her and get mad at her because I just saw it as a God move. I didn't even think about it's totally is. a God move. <laughs> and then I'm like, it's okay, I got it on DBR. So I went to DVR and it was locked on DVR. And I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like, so I'm like, okay, I'll deal with it for a day or two. Lord. So I said, I'll watch it at work because I'll like watch it on I can't even remember my password to the TV. And I'm like, okay. Oh my god. I have a download of the Apple Comcast. Wow, like, you still didn't oh, oh, <laughs> get it. Did you go to your, she's obsessed with you. Did you go to your app and see that it's no longer there? contact okay, had okay, remove it. I called them and they were like, I don't know what happened. It was, I just said, okay, Lord, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. So, so, oh, so you know, stick <laughs> <laughs> <That, laughs> to
1: say,
2: yeah. in the morning, I'm back to listen to
1: Charles Stanley. I'm not kidding, it happened just like that all credits were shut down. <laughs> oh, that, that is a wonderful story. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. May awesome. I encourage you to journal that? Yeah. That uh, is awesome. If, no, I really <laughs> journal it Okay. because that's something you can share with others. You know, just here, read this. Mm-hmm. The best
0: part was the kids using the parental block on the parents. Uh, yes,
2: <laughs> that was pretty good. But she would not give <laughs> me the passcode after a while. I'm like, that's okay. I'm not even going to bug you, right? That was that was awesome.
0: Okay, so the next return, we'll wrap this up. The next return is patience. This return causes us to trust the Lord with hope. We know that He will return one day to fulfill the promises He has made to us. His faithfulness to us and His Word helps us uh, to wait until He is ready to come back. And that is Colossians 1.11 and Hebrews 6.12. The next return is self-control. This return helps us to say no to the things of the world that can corrupt mind, body, and spirit. It keeps us focused on Christ and on heavenly things. And that's Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. Last but not least, and is actually the greatest, the Holy Spirit. This is the greatest return along with eternal life. God's Spirit living on the inside of us joins us to the Father and the Son, assures us of eternal life with them, and gives us access to every return. Every relational investment will reap returns that far exceed what has been invested. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago um, from the standpoint of equating our lives to dollars. So if we lived 90 years and you invested ninety dollars in a return that you would get that was unlimited, yeah. would you do it? and you had all eternity to spend it would you do it? yes? no? so we'll put it in this way so if somebody came up to you with a 401k right and I told you if you invested ninety dollars in that 401k your return would be like a trillion dollars. And you would have eternity to spend that trillion dollars. Would you do it?
2: I mean, that's, do you take cash? <laughs> <laughs> you <got your> check. <laughs>
0: so what I'm equating that to is that Jesus asked us to invest our lives. Right? Right. The Bible says that we are just a mist. Right? That appears for a little while and gone. So in the picture of eternity how much is your life you you can't even register it right you can't even register it and so Jesus is saying okay if you invest that thing that you can't even register I'm going to give you all that right when you look at it that way right you'd be a fool not to do it right The um, scriptures for that is Romans 5.5, 5, 1 Corinthians 6.19, Ephesians one thirteen, and Titus 3.5. So in conclusion, uh, all these things and much more are ours when we invest our lives relationally in Christ and others. To sum this series up, we look back again at Matthew 26, 22, verses 36 to 40. And we look at it in a new light. So really what God is asking you in those verses is to invest yourself in Him and in others. And when you do, He gives you a return that is priceless and eternal. It is truly the greatest investment you will ever make. So Father, we thank You for this time and we thank You for this series, Lord. Um, we just pray, uh, Lord, as it has been uh, uh something working on our hearts, Lord, that every person here, Father, would have gotten something from this series. That, Lord, that you are looking for a return on your investment. But, God, how great of a God you are is that for our little investment, we get a return that far exceeds what we have invested in it. And that speaks to a God, a loving God, a gracious God, a merciful God, a kind God. And so, Father, I just pray as the weeks and the months go on, that, Father, that this would sink in our spirits and we would begin to learn, if we're not doing it now, people that invest our lives invest our lives in something that's meaningful invest our lives in something that brings return to you first and then to us and father that we walk in that and know that this is what we were created for and in that we receive the returns of peace and joy and patience and self-control and the spirit that has been deposited in us as you said guaranteeing what is to come so we thank you for that We thank you, Lord, for this teaching. We thank you for everybody here. We just pray that you would seal this by the blood of Christ. Now, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.